of you is the monster. Monster? They're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are a very British horror. And today we have a special guest. Paul, please introduce the special guest. Tonight's episode, we'll be talking to comedian Elf Lyons about her new show, Raven, and various other horror things. Hi, welcome, Elf. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And I feel let's like just... my voice isn't quite scary enough for this podcast. I feel like your voices remind me of like old Radio 4. You know, the, <laughs> was it? I can't remember what the show was, but you know when they had the old school sound foley and it was really like calming, but also you knew something terrifying was going to happen. I feel like my voice isn't like that. It's neither calming nor scary. It's just sort of like, blah, blah. <laughs> I feel like your, your expectations of this podcast might be a, a bit on the high side. <laughs> I listened to Based this podcast. <laughs> well, if I got recommended this podcast when you know when you're searching for something. I think I was trying to look for something weirdly to do with. I was trying to look for the music from the Blood on Satan's Claw. Oh, okay. And then I recommended your podcast. So I've actually i have I have listened to your oh, wow. calm and terrifying voices and dulcet tones <laughs> many times. Brilliant. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm sorry we didn't have any music from Blood on Satan's Claw on that episode. <laughs> it's okay, I forgive you. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let, let's jump straight in. Can you tell us a bit about Raven, please? So Raven is, I well, obviously I love horror. It goes without saying. Um, but my comedy show, I always like to make big shows that financially are a nightmare for everyone involved and are also an absolute health and safety risk and involve a ridiculous <laughs> amount of cleanup and I felt I've always wanted to make a horror show but you know when you know how you've got that idea of your dream show or that dream book or whatever it is that you want to make but there's the right time and a right place and now felt like the right time because it's inspired by Stephen King, who is my, I'm his number one fan, but in a nice way. And <laughs> I wanted to make a show, I think just about adulthood and reflecting on childhood from an adult perspective, because that's what I love about Stephen King, because in all his books, he evidently loves children, loves young people, which is why when he kills them, <laughs> it matters. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. just gratuitous like your heart breaks even if this child is horrible your heart breaks when they're murdered in this most macabre and bonkers way imaginable and um so the show's structured like a series of short stories by stephen king so there's loads of easter eggs for stephen king fans and horror fans in general but there's loads of mime and sound foley and people don't really think mime can be scary but it actually, I've learned it can be. Um, and the show sort of walks that line between comedy and horror. Wow. Sounds good. I feel um, like I've really, I know, you know what? I was about to say I've really oversold it, but then I'm like, no, <laughs> it is actually no, a bloody good show. I'm really proud okay. of it. <laughs> you, should, you, should, you should do that. You want, you want to get people to come and see it. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud um, of it. Cool. So, <laughs> so what, what is it about horror then that, that, first sort of drew you to it I think I remember it was the visual imagery of it I remember you know when you're 
Do you remember that feeling when you were little and you'd walk into a room when adults were watching a film that you were definitely not meant to have seen? And it was halfway through. And there are those visual images that just get sort of stuck in your head, like as if someone's photographed you with the flash on. Because a lot of horror films I find always have very strong lines, huge contrast, really bold colours. And as a kid, that's the stuff you're sort of drawn to. And I remember walking in on my mum watching, I think it was The Fly, and being really enamoured by this film. Right and really confused because it had this attractive man in my mind and there was some rude bits and there was also this body horror which as a kid you can't quite work out what's real and what's imaginary and what's fake and um, I was always just really attracted to that and lots of my major memories I think have a horror film in the background and my mum loved horror films and I think she used to let us rent any type of horror film we wanted from Blockbuster and my nan, my nanny Squeak, would let us rent any films we wanted. So I remember watching these really, really inappropriate films for a child my age. Like I was six or seven and eight. Like I remember watching Final Destination in bed with my nan. I must have been about, do you know what I mean? Like not double digits. Like I don't think I could read. I think I was still doing Cumon. And I was watching this horrific film about teenagers just being killed off one by one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I remember a similar sort of experience with, um, I think it was me and my sister, I remember, was it, a, I feel like it was a Sunday night, but it might not have been, we, we refused to go to bed, and my parents were going to watch uh, American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had um, that, I yeah, had that yeah. too, that it, same film. Yeah, so um, it, it's obviously an age thing perhaps, but yeah, I don't know if it was just on the, coming on the TV, or if they had a video of it, I'm not can't remember. But we we absolutely refused to go to bed. We were like, we're not going up to bed now. And my parents were generally not very strict about bedtimes or anything. And then they just sort of said, well, all right, but, you know, you, you're not going to like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember it got to the bit after they leave the pub and they're walking down, down the lane and the werewolf attacks them. And you don't see anything at all. But I remember being absolutely terrified by that. And, and we went to bed shortly after that and... So, um, so I mean, well. you'd think Paul and I had spoken about this before, but we haven't. Um, no. I, but I had a similar experience. And I went, I went to bed as soon as the werewolf attacked. I'm like, I can't cope with this. This is too yeah. much. But um, my, my younger brothers and my mum, they stayed watching it. And so I could kind of hear for, for the, the whole film, more or less. Uh, but I was too scared to watch it. And, um, yeah. and they told me what happened afterwards. And it sounded revolting. And I, I actually still scarred by that. I think there's something really interesting like this, the new generation, you know, of teenagers, I think have, we sort of take for granted how, um, what is the word, you know, when something is so affecting in your development, so instrumental in your mm. in development of cinema and that, mm. the fact that as a kid, we could, that experience of just flicking on the TV in a film being halfway through, or that changing the channel yeah. and coming across something that you weren't meant to see. That was that for me was always linked with horror films. Or that was the excitement of, as a teenager having sleepovers or being at my nanny Squeak's house and sometimes walking into the living room when I was meant to be in bed because they were watching a film that I wasn't meant to witness. Yeah. But the new generation now because of Netflix and everything, because everything is so trailer obsessed and about the choice you select it, you don't quite have that same stumbling upon a film 
or stumbling yeah. upon those really immersive sequences of cinema um the same way i think a huge amount of generations before had and also like you describing being just being told what happened in the film i remember i never saw uh, nightmare on elm street until actually i was about 27 and i couldn't watch it because when i was a teenager i saw the film cover i was so frightened <laughs> and my mum described to me what happened in the film she just told me the story and that was way more upsetting i think yeah. and when i saw the film i went oh it's kind of camp it's kind of funny it's kind of <laughs> it's what it's like uh, still quite shocking and terrifying but oh johnny depp getting eaten by the bed is is less frightening than the way my mother said and this boy got into his bed <laughs> and he fell asleep and he was swallowed down and blood just sprayed upon the ceiling Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you just you just touched on another thing that's sort of lost to to the current sort of generation is that I mean I remember going into the I was talking about this the other day actually to a, to a friend I remember going to the video shop and you know unlike books which are not meant to judge by a cover if every video you ever rented was judged by the cover a lot of the time you you would look at something and go right how how good is this cover this looks excellent. And and you quite often just rent it because of that, and and usually it was never that good. But yeah, all the horror films and blockbusters as well. They all had really dark covers. They had yeah. sort of like like sexy times New Roman. You turn over yeah. the back, and there would be like a shadow of a crucifix. There'd be a shadow of someone's face, and yeah. then there'd be like those small little screenshots of other parts of the film to entice you. And there would just be people looking scared. Yeah. I think, yeah, great. And then you'd always, I always made the mistake as a kid. I'd buy films, but I'd always buy them from the foreign language section. Um, get them in, in the VHS so I'd, and, and before subtitles. So the amount of, I remember watching this ger this terrible German horror film called Anatomy about these students who just get cut up at a university. Mm. And okay. because I'd rented it and it was £4.99, we did just watch it as a family. <laughs> and then no one had any idea what was going on. <laughs> uh, that, that was sort of tea time viewing then. <laughs> In fairness, though, I mean, it is better now where you can watch YouTube trailers and work out exactly whether you're interested or not. And you, you can stream things. And my, my son doesn't understand about TV being shown at certain times because he just streams it. So it's like, I, if I want to watch it, I watch it now. That's. I was, thank you very much. Sorry. I was just realizing it might have looked like a ghost was walking into my room. It was just my family <laughs> bringing me a cup of herbal tea. But imagine if I never commented on it and you just thought there was just some random person in the background. I had no idea. Um, well, I mean, we we saw your um, uh, your BBC Three short film with the, the evil duplicate in the mirror. So I was a little scared. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what's so funny is that I wanted that to be so much more scary. I think this is the thing what I like about what I love about making Raven. And what I feel so proud about it is that it is exactly the show I wanted to make and playing with those limits. And I did a horror show called Gorgon, an immersive horror show. And I wanted to tour it. We did live sound foley, which is an area I really like. And it was about a taxidermist, a girl um, who called Diana, who just like is fed up with blokes and fed up with her mum, fed up with her sister who sort of takes the piss. And she just goes on a rampage and just taxidermies 
everyone and she cuts off loads of dicks <laughs> it's and it gets so violent it's so funny but it's so violent like it's properly it was inspired by i can never say it giallo jello horror film yeah, yeah. that's it um and then it was when lockdown happened the joy of having complete control to do it as a radio play so we recorded it in a recording studio and did all the sound foley and it felt so nice to release it like a concept album yeah you know i yeah. think that there's something about that with horror which i think is why people love it the good the bad and the really crap is because there is unlike a lot of films which aren't always i don't know it's hard to explain but i feel like to make a horror film you can't just go in half half cocked mm. you have to absolutely adore horror yeah. to make horror work yeah no i'm i'm, I'm sure that's right um yeah, and, and Gorgon's available, isn't it, on, on Bandcamp? I think you tweeted out the link to it the, the, the other yeah. day. And, yeah. I, I don't think we've ever made our money back on it because I think <laughs> all the vegetables in the studio hub was very expensive. But you can listen to it for free once and then you can buy it for like a recommended price of £8.99. Yeah. So if anyone wanted to buy it first and then listen to it for free, I would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> we did have a fireman email in and say after all his years working as a fireman, He'd never felt more nauseous and sick. Big compliment. I did listen to it, um, and I have to say it, it, it was quite unsettling because it's because it's quite um, it, it's quite funny in places, which is good. Um, uh, but it's which a lot of horror is. Um, but I, but I sort of felt it was it, it started off as sort of quite almost quite sweet story mm. and i think everyone involved in it is quite um yeah you know, your, your voice obviously you 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 come across quite sort of um nice in it and then all of a sudden there's just mass carnage near the end and it's yeah sorry i'm just ruining it for everyone a bit but but it <laughs> i think from the beginning they're sort of aware yeah it opens yeah. with her talking to a man she's chained in a... Well, yes, there is that. So I think everyone is like, something bad's going to happen. But that, that's what I love about... Because um, I've done some sort of audio plays in the past. Um, and that that's what I quite like, the audio medium. Because it's... that that it, It's just a, a normal sort of monologue, really, about somebody telling a bit about their hobby. Which is taxidermy, which is a bit weird. But... Um, that that and then low in the mix there is that 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 person who the chained up and and sort of making noises and, and stuff but it it works really well because it is there's that sort of contrast between the two so, um, so, and you mentioned this this pool yeah. it's a really really unsettling uh scary show but it's also got really funny bits like yeah. um, diana's flatmate she's hilarious so 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 um although this was an out and out horror it's it's still it's still comedy but i think i think raven is a is comedy horror is, is that right yeah, very much comedy horror i think i'm moving more and more into the realm of working with merging genres but a lot of great horror is funny mm. i mean misery is such a funny film the lines in that the delivery, the eye contact, there's so much comedy in that film. You laugh as much as you cry. Um, and I mean, a lot of, um, I suppose, slashes rely on comedy. Mm. We need that laugh 
to then enhance the jump shock of the throat being slashed or the serial killer jumping out from behind the curtain. Yeah. I like how they sort of walk hand in hand, comedy and horror. Yeah, actually, I was going to, it was one of my questions was about do you think there is quite a lot of crossover between horror and comedy? Because they're, they're, both, they're both sort of doing similar things and they both rely on timing they're both trying to elicit a, a response that's that kind of um, guttural sort of emotion either fear or, or, or laughter so I think, I think there is probably quite a lot of crossover between the two yeah I th absolutely I think they, they are siblings because unlike a lot of other art forms they are requiring you to give off some physiological response you know whether yeah. it's laughing or crying um and you know I've said this, but like bad comedy is terrifying and bad horror is funny. Yeah. And yeah. it's true. And um, I, I like that. I, I like the fact they're two siblings, really. But it is, I mean, it, it seems to be, it is hard to get the balance exactly right. So, um, uh, you, you know, is, is it a horror film with a few funny lines? Is it essentially a comedy with a couple of jump, jump scares? But But if you get like, um, like it really right? It shouldn't be either, should it? It should, it should, it should, it should be like funny and horrifying all the way through. I think that 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 that's a real art form. I mean, yeah, I think it's. I I always feel like this when someone says comedy horror. I always feel like they've undermined one to shoot up the other. Like, I feel you need to have for it, in my opinion, to work. You need comedic characters in truly horrifying situations um, or a horrifying yeah I think that's basically it because I've watched a lot of comedy horror or comedy you know horror comedies mm. and the characters are so exaggerated we don't believe them they don't exist within the real yeah or the horror is so garish and slapdash that you can't quite you're not scared either well, I don't know. It's almost like you need, like, I'm trying to think. You almost, what is the gentleman who did um, Nuts in May? You almost need, like, Mike Lee horror. Mike yeah. Lee, like, comical characters who are so real and put them in the worst, most horrifying situation. That, for <laughs> me, would be, that's what I want to do. I like, I yeah, that's sort of how I imagine it to be. No, that's yeah. quite. That's quite. That's a quite interesting idea. Like, uh, um, that because that, that that I mean, he's almost like art house kitchen sink style, mm -hmm. and then and then pivot to to a horror film. Kitchen sink horror. That would be lovely. <laughs> we do it, guys. Well, we we did, did we we did a well. It seems like it wasn't that long ago. It was probably ages. But we did an episode on the Dead of Night um, episode, the the Exorcism. Which I think kind of encapsulates that a bit. It's sort of, it's a, it's a dinner party setting, um, and again, all the characters are quite real, and yeah, and that, and that's 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 probably one of the the, the my favourite things that, that I've watched while doing this podcast. I think it's a middle class version, though. Well, yeah, the is. middle it's class not... version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm feel like. Think, well, have you seen Ghost Watch? Well, I mean, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. For me, that is that is perfect yeah 
because it is there's so moments like Parkinson trying to act like just really casual is so funny and these kids yeah. there's there's so many moments which are naturally very funny in their awkwardness <clears throat> and their British awkwardness yeah and it the feels Welsh guy authentic. that phones in about his sandwich yeah like all this sort of stuff and then there's actually all this beautiful horror going on See, yeah talking about it immediately makes me turn over my yeah. shoulder because even now even though watching that on youtube when it was made before i was born i watch mm -hmm. it and i'm like oh god this is so scary god, I hope. It's, it's ridiculous i mean it's ridiculously scary and given it's like michael parkinson and sarah green and mike smith you think it can't possibly be but it's the, like the scariest thing i've ever seen yeah. <laughs> but then that's that's harrowing but that's what's um, what you're saying, though, isn't it? Because they're they're being themselves pretty much. So we've got Michael Parkinson doing something that Michael Parkinson would have done, and the same with with all the other presenters. Mm. Uh, you know, you've got Craig Charles mucking around outside. It's the sort of thing he would do. So it is just just yeah, very real people just being thrown into something scary. I think that's such a perfect piece of telly. Yeah, I do as well. My students sometimes are like, Miss, you like horror? What do you recommend we watch at Halloween? And I'm like, well, what have you seen? And like, they list all the big ones. And I'm like, yeah. what's Ghost Watch? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Miss, when's it from? And then I tell them, I describe it, and they're evidently like really disappointed. I've not said a film called like Blood Sausage <laughs> Revenge <laughs> from the Death or whatever. Yeah. Well, we're, we're both old enough to have watched it when it was first broadcast as well, which is quite That's interesting. Crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. Yes. Although it was it was trailed as a as a screen one, so because I think it was made as a like a, a practical joke, but they yeah. weren't brave enough to show it as if it was real. Um. <laughs> but then, of course, people it's like getting back to that thing of people coming in part way through. You know, there's lots of people that wouldn't have seen that. But yeah. Um, no, that, that's true enough. Um, but there was one thing um, about Raven I wanted to ask you, you Elf, because you talked a lot about St Stephen King uh, and that influence, but the publicity also kind of mentions um, Hammer Horror. And, I, and I, I, I'm wondering, you know, and the title uh, sort of evokes Edgar Allan Poe. So, I, I mean, uh, I, I guess my question is, well, I, I mean, are you interested in Hammer Horror? And is, is that an influence on the show as well? I love Hammer Horror. I absolutely love Hammer Horror. Um, there's Hammer Horror aspects in some of the brutality at the end of the show. There's this deep bit to Rage Against the Machine killing in the name. And I feel like the it, it's so theatrical. It's so, I feel like gauche is the wrong word, but it's so garish. It's so yeah. in Kensington your Hesitant Gore. That's yeah, no, that. that's the, exactly the right word. Yeah, and it's exactly what, hammer horror was for me and i remember so many of the hammer horrors are truly like really harrowing weirdly like some of the deaths i remember one about the nunnery and they're getting everyone to be give birth to the devil and they tie the women's ankles up so the baby has to like escape through the abdomen and cut the women open like some of this stuff is really really, <laughs> really quite 
horrifying, <laughs> which is obviously what they want. And you've got Christopher Lee the whole time being so fantastic. Yeah. And then they're done with just quite naff prosthetics. And there's always someone who just gets set on fire. That's what I love about Air Hammer Horror. There's always someone who just touched something and then just yeah. set on fire for no reason. Well, it's, it's because they, they, they got near the end of the runtime. They've got to end the film somehow. So let's just set everything on fire. We quite often comment on that. Is that to the devil a daughter? Is that that's is that, I is that... that? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching Hereditary and being really. Everyone loved that film. I absolutely, I couldn't stop laughing in the cinema. I was missing <laughs> myself, and I was just like, "That's Hammer Horror. That's how, you've taken that from Hammer Horror." I was watching this yeah. going, "No," and everyone's like, "Oh, that bit when he burns it in the fan." I'm like, and "Then he's on fan." I was like, "Yep, Hammer Horror." <laughs> I had getting chopped off, looking out the window. Hammer yeah. Horror. I forget him to bring out EpiPen. Hammer Horror. <laughs> <laughs> this film is not cool. It's just taking stuff from the past. But yeah, there is there is a big, big bold garishness to Raven in lots of bits, which I do see him in the Hammer Horror. And also, I think for me being a, a young woman on stage, I use my sort of I use my body in a very particular way. Like I really play with how the audience objectify and look at me. And there is this set, this is whole section when I'm like, stop sexualizing me. And I do a big sexy dance. And I always remember in lots of those films where the woman appears and it's always sheer fabric. Yeah. And you see her body and like lots of you see her knees and then you see her hips and you see her eyes and then you see her breasts and then you see her neck and it's always like chopped up. Yeah. Um I'm playing with that. And the raven, all my shows are sort of linked to birds because I love birds. I go bird watching. And so I named my shows each show after a bird. And there's a line in the show to do with something nevermore, something happening never again, as it were. And Raven just made the complete sense to me as a title. Yeah. Oh, that, that that sounds great, and I, I'm I'm really pleased. Um, so so because I, I'm coming to see the show. So um, um, our friend Alex, um, he runs Comedy to Watch website, and he introduced us to your to to your to work. So um, and and for my birthday, he bought me tickets to to, to this. So um, I'm coming to see it. Um, in Soho Theatre. Oh, fantastic! Yay! <laughs> so, so, so I mean, it's, it's, it was when the opportunity came to, to talk to you. It's brilliant. <laughs> I thought. Uh, That's such a treat. It's so lovely to do, like, to talk to people about film, but to talk to people just about horror. Though I feel like I've done lots of talking, so I apologise for that. No, no, that's great. That's that's what we want you here, so <laughs> we don't have to talk very much. <laughs> so, so um. Obviously, you, you said you're a big fan of Stephen King. Uh, what, what? I, I'm going to ask you a really kind of boring question, really. But what, what's your favourite Stephen King? If you had to pick, like Stephen King book, which one would you pick? It probably has to be Misery. Yeah. I remember reading that and going, "This is about what it means to write a novel." It's masterful. I think it is a masterpiece. I think, and it's so funny. Like, do you guys, you guys like Stephen King? Do you? Do you not? Yes. Yeah. But what it, but are you it, about Stephen King? Your dog sorry. likes Stephen King. Yeah, sorry, that's my dog again. She's starting <laughs> to pipe in. So, so what I like about Stephen King is um, the, the classic ones from his early in his career. Um, 
and he sort of got less fashionable. And then those classics have all gone recently been remade as movies again. And he's just kind of um, like with it, the, the it and, and, and um, he's just kind of ex- exploded again. And but he but the whole time he's been writing like a book a year, hasn't he? So he's he's yeah. just like um, uh, he, he he's so um, he's so productive. It's it's um, and he he doesn't he does go in and out of fashion, but only a bit. He's mm-hmm. he's always kind of there. He's an ever present. Like well, Paul and I were at school together, and he was he was the the top horror author then. And, and yeah. in fact, that was his golden period. <laughs> yeah, the but, books were always taken out of the library. Yeah, and I do remember the the graphic novel version of Cycle of the Werewolf. Was yeah, yeah, we yeah we used to pass that around. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that was quite grim. I think it's that funny thing because when you tell people, when I tell people Stephen King's my favorite author, people often go, "Oh, I, <laughs> I thought you liked you know," because I read loads, so they always assume you're going to say something really has been on the Booker Prize list or won yeah. a Nobel Prize for something. And then you say Stephen King, that that assumption that he's not quite, mm. he's not quite real literature. But then you can't, you just can't ignore his absolute incredible dynamism and ability, his freedom with himself and his yeah. freedom with his work ethic to create that. It's just you cannot ignore him as a as one of the biggest biggest names in literature of all time because everyone has he's i think in the western world everyone has had access to him in the pop in some form of pop culture you can't you recognize his characters in silhouette and that's pretty that's pretty remarkable so i have to confess that i did go through a phase of thinking exactly that thinking that Oh, you know Stephen King. It's quite like middle of the road. It's it, it's quite commercial. And then it was just like, uh, but as I got older, uh, <laughs> my judgments got better. I hope. I think no, no, no. I think it's really successful because it's really good. Yeah. Um, but you originally you felt like that about Stephen King, and then your mind was changed. How were you swayed? Um. So. I, I think I used to believe a lot of things were, were not were like coming out of university, like uh, uh, that. Actually, my views softened, maybe because 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 you, I don't know. I really enjoyed university, but I, I was a cultural stop when I came out of it, and um, uh, yeah, and it took me a while to realise that, that uh, actually enjoying a enjoying a book <laughs> that was a major part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's a point when. I think it is in your your twenties. There's a point where you become quite snobbish about a lot of things. Um, I, uh, in the '90s, I was I was really into lots of uh, music, but I was very particular about what types of music I I liked, and then other types of music you, you'd sort of look down on a bit. And I think as you get a little bit older, you kind of just realise that's all nonsense, and yeah. it's your way of trying to be a bit unique, isn't it? Okay, and, one more. One more Stephen King question though, because I've always yeah. loved the the even even when I was going through that phase, I've always loved the movie of The Shining, but but he he didn't like it. So what, what about what, what's your view, Elf? Shining book and film. I think it's dang. 
the thing is with an adaptation is that it that it's an adaptation mm, yeah. and as a writer if you're not going to have any creative involvement in the film and you're signing it off you have to accept there's yeah. going to be an interpretation and also it's a very complex book really mm. and you kind of, I think, with filmmaking, there is this sense of what is your thesis? What is your through line? What is your point? What is the thing that you, what is the one center line that's going to carry it? And for the shining film, it's the I'd give myself for a drink. It's that desire, that one man's desire to unfold, to unravel. Yeah. It's the, it's the impact of addiction, really. And there's that. And also, it sort of it does i think from the get-go create the impression that the vent that it's the space that's evil that it's the hotel itself that is evil from the get-go yeah. um from that first shot of him driving there and you suddenly just see a change in his face from the like already it's it's, it's as if he's starting to unravel and in the book it's it's about that battle with father figures and that battle of not having anywhere to go that you have a choice to leave, but you don't actually have anywhere you can go. And the horror in it is that they are, they, even though they could leave, they are stuck. They just, yeah. they've both wasted almost all their options. So it's more a family horror, as in the horror <clears throat> from the book comes from themselves, mixed in with this then horrible space that feeds off that energy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to answer the question. I feel like <laughs> the Doctor Sleep film tied the film, the old film, with the world of the old, of the book really right. well. For me, I felt it tied a few loose ends because, you know, the way he died, the reality of what actually happened. I, I did like that because I did think it was a shame that the hotel didn't burn down. Yeah. <laughs> a classic hammer star i, no. I, I really like Doc, dr sleep I've only, mm. I've only seen the the, the film and I, I love um rebecca ferguson in it she's oh, yeah. she's, she's so good she's so scary and charming at the same time it's it's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um okay uh but but we we should maybe go back on topic yes what's the topic <laughs> Was topic. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, how's the tour going? Because you're, you're, it's already started, hasn't it? So you're, 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 you're going around the country at the at the moment um, with Raymond. Yeah. It's this week busy. This week is Norwich one night, Brighton the next, Cambridge the next, and then Oxford. And then I'm also doing school during the day, mm. in between those. So it is. Crazy. So the moment this moment we finish this lovely record, I'm quite literally stumbling into bed. Um, it is. I'm very grateful for the whole opportunity. Um, I think I'm mildly regretful of creating a show that involves so many f- fruit and vegetables. <laughs> now, if that's budget. not a, a good advert. Yeah, the budget has really and also trying to find places that still have watermelons in season so i think by the time you see me at soho we will have moved on to pumpkins right. oh, no, good. very suitable for halloween i think yeah. yeah that'd be awesome um okay and um if people uh, want to find out more want, want about gorgon and, and raven uh, where can they go 
So you can go on my website, which is www. Just in case you don't know that bit, theelflions.com. Because someone had taken Elf Lions, but I've got okay. the Elf Lions, which makes me sound so so precocious and <laughs> but theelflions.com and I've got all my details and links there. You can follow me on Instagram, which is the cool place. Twitter as well. And I'm constantly sort of having to tweet out things. I'm terrible at it, but I have, uh, I, I, I'm terrible on that. I do it a lot, but it is, it does make you squirm. Well, um, I did notice you followed us uh, on our Instagram, which is really bad because I don't keep, I, I, I own that account and I don't generally keep Your Instagram it up, is but really adorable. There's a picture of me with a pillowcase over my head, which yeah. is when we were doing the elephant. It's now. really adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a wholesome Instagram. <laughs> so, so i sort of forget to put pictures up there but yeah yeah so you need to be like me it's like i have to put a post up <clears throat> otherwise i'll get a message from someone going hey you've not posted are you okay and i'm like i'm just trying to continue my life what's going on it is frustrating that is the one thing now because of marketing and who you are and you're sort of because your work is also yourself how you have to market your individuality i do find because when i refused to do it and didn't do it i just didn't sell tickets <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay fine here's a picture of me looking silly for my show please buy my please buy my tickets oh it's a modern curse though isn't it social media um absolutely horrible horrible thing <laughs> well I, I mean i'm out of questions paul um, the, the only thing I, I, I did have a really silly question, which I think would be a good one to just end on. Um, so I was going to ask you, what, what's your favourite horror monster? Oh, horror monster. Yeah. Do you know, I think immediately I'm probably going to have to say the Babadook because oh, I remember okay. being genuinely frightened by it because it's like that fear of, it's mental illness, but also it's a creepy man with a hat and with long arms. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I, good night. That's a really hard question. What <laughs> oh, you know, my favorite, actually, it has to be Demons 2. Yeah. <laughs> the toddler that gets bitten. Yeah. And then turns into a demon and it is like a budget version of the gremlins children yeah. and this and i remember watching it as a family my little brother it's quite sad but my little brother it was must have been about i think it was at the beginning of covid my little brother had had someone in his who was he was close to had, had passed away and jared was like in this really sad place and we were like i was trying to find a film that would just take him out of it and we found I found demons too, and it was so garish and didn't make any sense. And no. in this moment, this evil toddler just jumps out of the wall <laughs> and like jumps onto the sofa. But because of what he's jumped on, he gets sort of like flung in the air and hits a wall. Yeah. And it's it's so silly, and my little brother just howled he lost it he fought yeah. and it was funny because he sort of screamed because it was sort of like a jump scare he really can't handle horror films but it was just it was a really sweet little moment i remember that monster being like 
it gets a horrible death. I mean, horrible. And that, just, you <laughs> yeah. know, that film is so I've recommended that film to actually quite a few people who've then gone through bereavements and then they call right. me back. And they're like, actually it really didn't help off. And I'm like, maybe it's like, <laughs> Maybe it's just a timing thing. Maybe I should <laughs> immediately sell, send people a DVD of Demons 2 and they're like, my family members died. I'm like, I know what will help. So that, that's, that's the Italian film, isn't it? And yeah. I can't I, imagine I Italian yeah. horror films really helping with anything yeah maybe i'm not very good at reading social cues (laughs) but i i remember i I just i just checked that because i remember it dimly but that's one of those um those 80s vhs horror movies (laughs) demons i remember getting uh i think i just bought it x rental video because it the cover just had demons in, in great big yellow letters at the top and then there was just like a picture of these silhouetted figures with, with lit up eyes yeah. and that's there's no resemblance to the film whatsoever really it was just but it, i remember seeing that thing oh it's this might be right and then they must i must have enjoyed it enough because i did watch the others as well yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I think i only remember your copy of demons paul i think that's all i remember yeah right. um okay i i think we should I think we should call it there. But thank you so much, Elf. We really appreciate you yeah. you, you coming on. Um, and and uh, I, I, I I'm not sure the etiquette. Break a leg. That's safe. Break a leg. <laughs> I'll break a leg and cut some dicks. Yeah. Uh, so lovely to see you guys properly and not just hear your wonderful voices. <laughs> it's really cool to be on the podcast. And so, yeah. Brilliant. And likewise, and, and and we said it. Well, I say this to everyone. You've got an open invite to the podcast anytime you want to come on yay <laughs> so yeah forever and ever and ever yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay well until next time i've been chris denton uh, and i'm paul monk good night and bye